It is time now for Making Sense of the Markets with Lori Pinkowski. Lori is a Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity and joins us now. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are those markets doing? Yeah, markets are up this morning uh, close to half a percent, but really markets have been fairly flat uh, over the past couple of weeks as we're all kind of waiting uh, to the June 1st deadline and hopefully they come to some sort of agreement before then to raise the U.S. debt ceiling. Um, and of course, the two sides have been meeting and uh, there is, has been some progress in saying that uh, it is possible to get a deal done by the end of the week. And I mean, many expect the debt ceiling um, to be lifted and a deal to be reached. I mean, I was saying yesterday, if, if regional banks in the U.S. are too big to fail, well, so is the U.S. government. Um, you know, so I, I, I do believe a deal will be reached and markets will move uh, onwards and upwards from there. But again, it's just something, uh, you know, an, another hurdle the market needs to face uh, and and get through. So, so again, we'll probably see something uh, be done there over the next uh, week or two. Okay. So would you say there are some concerns about this kind of inflation going a little bit back up here? Oh, in uh, in Canada, yeah. Yes. So we saw Canadian inflation rose to four point four percent in April, and that was up slightly from four point three percent in the previous month. And so, you know, people get a little antsy when they see inflation going in the opposite direction than uh, than what we expect. But when you take a look at kind of core inflation, which excludes uh, more volatile food and energy prices, um, we actually saw a decline from uh, four point three to four point one percent. So that gives us, um, you know some hope that the Bank of Canada isn't going to turn around and start increasing interest rates. So again, that move, um, even on general inflation, wasn't uh, wasn't big enough to to cause uh, any concern that the Bank of Canada is going to switch gears and, and, and change their minds here and start raising rates again. Okay, so the markets are, are fairly confident that the course is going to be stayed on that. It, exactly. Okay, all right. Let's talk about the Canadian housing market too. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting because the housing market obviously um, took a bit of a hit here as as rates increased um, substantially uh, from the lows. And, and you know, we did see the housing market slow when we saw prices were off about 15%, generally speaking, in a lot of the major markets like Toronto, Vancouver. But we saw places like Chilliwack down, you know, 20, 25%, even in some of these um, areas that were kind of uh, on the outskirts of, of the main cities. And so, but now what we're seeing is, you know, Vancouver is kind of here locally is surprising everyone because there's just not a lot of inventory. So we're seeing sales increase. Uh, we're seeing prices increase somewhat, uh, even though rates have gone up so much, which is kind of historically the opposite of, of what one would expect. So I guess the question is, is has the correction already happened um, or is there, you know, more going forward? And this is just kind of like a, a spring surge, you know, so to speak. And so when you take a look at Vancouver's housing supply right now, uh, both luxury and conventional housing is really facing a deficit uh, in terms of supply. And so some sellers are waiting until new listings are introduced before putting their home on the market because they're not seeing, you know, where am I going to move if there's not a lot of inventory. And um, so we kind of suspect that some are just kind of waiting out that correction uh, in terms of uh, putting their house up for sale. So I think it's going to 
remain tight for some time. The question always is, is how long are rates going to stay this high for? Because many people have to renew their five-year fixed terms. And of course, some people had, you know, 2% five-year fixed terms. And now we're looking at, you know, 5%. I mean, that's a huge increase. And can people, you know, afford their mortgage payments? And that's what we're looking at going forward. So I don't think we're completely out of this. I think this is kind of a, a blip in terms of the real estate market moving higher here. Uh, but I think eventually we'll see more supply uh, on the market. And, and what do you think? I was reading about how banks are allowing people to extend the amortization of their mortgages in a way to help them keep the prices down, do you, their pay, payments down. Do you think that's had an impact? Yeah, I do. And and I did mention that, I think, a few weeks ago as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's something that's quite surprising that it's very different from, you know, say you think back to 2008, 2009, and in terms of the real estate market, that they're being more accommodative uh, to mortgage holders and saying, you know what, you can pay just the interest only for now, or you can, you know, increase the time of amortization from 25 years to 35 years, because the banks know they don't want to be holding a whole bunch of empty homes and the prices are declining. And that's not good for their balance sheet either. So so I can imagine that that is going to continue. Um, I think that that does have a huge impact on what's going to happen in the real estate market here in Canada. And then if the Bank of Canada ends up reducing rates later this year, which is what was expected, uh, you know, that's going to obviously help the housing market as well and mortgage holders. So, so hopefully everyone can get through this rough patch. Nobody wants to see anybody walking away from their mortgages or their homes. And, uh, and the banks have learned uh, from uh, the great financial crisis for sure. Yeah, one would hope on that one for sure. So tell me about this phrase that I've heard now, sell in May and go away. What is that mean? Yeah, you know, I, I like to bring this up because there's always a few clients that kind of talk about it uh, in May. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of many, there's a lot of market timing strategies out there. And this is one of the main ones. And, you know, it refers to selling your portfolio in spring and then reinvesting in fall when the stock market, you know, is presumed to be stronger. Um, you know, and there's really not much evidence backing this up. We, you know, my team and I went and looked at historical averages and over the last 93 years on the S&P 500, so from 1928 to 2021, other than the month of September, all months that fall under the umbrella of sell of the sell in May concept were up the majority of the time. So, so again, there was no backing there. And then if we went back, um, you know, just the past few years, the total returns from May to October have actually been stronger than the total returns from November to April. So, so again, in 2020, actually, when you think of COVID, that was a, you know, especially yeah. that year, if you sold in May, you would have missed completely the upside of the market, um, you know, during 2020. So you can't really time the market with seasons. It doesn't work that way. And I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday just about the sell in May and go away. It could have been, you know, 40 years ago when you didn't have phones and computers and all that kind of stuff. People going on vacation and markets weren't as busy. But now, I mean, you can work from anywhere, right? And people can look at their portfolios anywhere and the world keeps turning. So so definitely I, I wouldn't uh, depend on the, the seasons to make uh, your investment decisions. That's for sure. Okay. That is so interesting then. So wh- why would you say there are some flaws in this strategy, right? Like why does, why doesn't it work? Well, it doesn't work because, you know, you have to look at economic data, you have to look at earnings releases, uh, geopolitical concerns, um, commodity prices, you know, and and where we are in the market cycle and and interest rates, inflation. There's there's so much going on, Simi, um, that definitely the sell in May and go away. uh, You can't just look at it that way and say, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And and the problem with that is, is if you make big decisions, you know, trying to predict the unpredictable, really, um, you know, the problem 
problem is you can end up on the wrong side of the trade a lot of the time. And, and it's very difficult to know when to get back in for a lot of investors. So they may make, you know, uh, a grand prediction and, you know, have a gut feeling that they should go to cash. So, you know, there's another shoe to drop and then the shoe doesn't drop. Um, I mean, what the markets are telling us right now, even with this regional banking crisis, even with the debt ceiling, the markets are moving, you know, higher since the beginning of the year. So what does that tell you? Um, you know, and again, there's still the question and debate of recession versus no recession and where that's going to land. But again, that's why active management is so important because we don't have to predict six to 12 months from now. We're going to react to what's happening today. And so again, the selling may go away. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so you want to make sure that you have an investment strategy uh, that's going to get you through kind of those volatile times, but also not lead you in, uh, off the course, off uh, off your long-term investment horizon strategy uh, and, and make the wrong decision. So so again, not much backing up uh, that sell in May and go away. So uh, stay the course and uh, talk to your financial advisor about any changes that you should make in your portfolio at this time. It would seem to me that what you should probably do is know when you like have a plan for getting back in. Yeah, but it's, you know, that's why even, you know, as active managers, we raise cash and we move some cash to the sidelines. We're always going to have some invested, right? You have to have some skin in the game and we deal with high quality companies, right? So, you know, companies are down maybe, but they're not going to zero. That's, you know, when you think of, you know, McDonald's and Coca-Cola and Microsoft and those kinds of companies. So, so yeah, so for those that are trying to make a huge decision about selling, cashing out and going to GICs and getting back in, I've never, ever seen it. Uh, done right in 22 years by any client. So so I don't think it's a, a good idea. You want to have an active manager. You want someone to be making those professional, insightful, experienced decisions for you. And you also have to think of tax considerations if you're selling out, getting back in. And, and usually when you're trying to get back in, when we're buying is when most people are looking at trying to get out, right? I mean, that's when you should be looking at buying. When everything is comfortable and good again, the stock market's already up 10 to 20%. So again, it's really important to, to understand your emotions during market volatility and make sure you're leaning on professionals to make those decisions for you. All right, Lori, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, Simi. Have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine. You too. That's Lori Pinkowski. Lori is a senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. Now you can contact her team directly. You can give them a call 604-695-LORI or you can visit their website at pinkowski.ca.